and welcome to the FSF and Tapestry podcast. I'm Jules and today I'm with my colleague Anya. Hi Anya, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, Today we have a combo cast for you. This is where a couple of us from the education team come together to listen back to some previous podcasts, gathering clips that fit together on a particular theme. And Anya, do you want to talk a little bit about what theme we're reflecting on today? Yeah, so our our broad theme really is how we can ensure our educational workspaces are supportive and accepting of each other. And the theme really, I think, developed out of many conversations that we have together as a team and uh, reflections that I personally have had on my assumptions of other people and reflecting on why I have those assumptions do I need to have them and the answer is no I don't need I don't need to have those initial assumptions of people I need to get to know them I need to find out who they are and um what they enjoy and yeah that's it and I think that that's maybe not done enough in educational settings and it might come down to time or whatever but it feels like it needs to happen a bit more so we've had a look at through some well listened through some of our podcasts and picked out some ones that we thought highlighted why it's important and how we can do that yeah and of course whether you're working in a school or an early years setting or if you're part of a perhaps a network of childminders you know we're all part of something we're all part of a community part of an education community um And so we do need to reflect on how we are supportive and accepting of each other. And so our first clip that we're going to listen to is from consultant and previously head teacher, Alison Creel. And she's she's been reflecting in this clip on belonging and how a wish to belong can impact our decisions and what happens if we feel socially excluded. Because the next question is, how can we create a sense of belonging And is it something that comes from within or is it reliant on the community around us? Mm. So belonging is something that I feel uh, really, really passionate about. Mm. Um, And I I think that we all go, we, we spend a huge amount of life trying to fit in. Um, And then there comes a time in life. um, And I have to say it comes with age where you suddenly realize you want to belong to you and you want to start being your true self. And then you realize how complex, you go back and you review all the complex things that happened to you when you were younger. And it always comes down to belonging, where maybe you made a decision so you could fit in, even though um, you probably, you, you probably, um, didn't really want to operate in that way or be that way or wear clothes that way or whatever it is. Um, and there's a, there's a really good uh, book by um, Howard Ross called Our Search for Belonging, How Our Need to Connect is Tearing Us Apart. And it is so pertinent for now because um, what he's what he says in that book is social orientation drives us 
And so we're constantly, constantly trying to adapt so that we can fit in, but fitting to what? Yeah. Um, and we also know that when you feel socially excluded from anything, it causes physical pain. Um, and it causes, um, it, it, it leads to, if, if, you, if you don't feel like you're part of that group, that feeling of exclusion um, really, really causes mental, well, it causes emotional harm. Um, so there, there are two types of belonging. You can either have a dominant role, which means that you're part of sort of, you can you get to make decisions you get to to lead you get to um you get to be the person that others fit in with or you can have a marginalized role where you feel like you're the outsider and you feel unheard and you feel like you have to adopt you have to adapt to the dominant group um and that means that you feel like you don't belong um and for you to have that connection the only way that you can do that is by compromising yourself um, and that then leads to things like physical illness and anxiety and awkwardness and you know you get flooded by all sorts of negative emotions and then that impacts on how well we do mm. and you know we all want to be successful so if we want to feel successful then getting to feel like you belong becomes the critical thing. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, you know, one, one of the things that Howard Ross talks about is Maslow's triangle where belonging is put in, it's sort of in the middle of the triangle. Mm. Um, and, um, and, and that's because, um, Maslow was talking about belonging to family, but actually we, because of how the world has changed and how we all travel and we, you know, we, we've moved beyond our families. Every single one of us now moves beyond our, our families. And so we create new families and new communities and all of those sorts of things. And, and fitting into those communities um, becomes critical to how we feel about ourselves and how successful we can be. So I think that he's absolutely right in saying that that belonging bit can't be in the middle of the triangle anymore. It needs to be at the top of the triangle because once you feel like you belong, everything else flows and um, we, we feel happier and we'll be much more successful as a result. So listening to that clip and listening to Alison talking, and it really made me look back at times when the desire to fit in has influenced my decision. And in all honesty, that's probably massive chunks of my life right from childhood, that wanting to fit in feeling and that wanting to belong really did influence what I was doing at the time and perhaps even what I did next. Um, did you have the same feeling about that? I did. And, and something that really struck me from that piece of uh, podcast there was that Alison says that we adapt to fit in. And then she just says, fit into what? And it really, that really struck me because like you said, we 
we do that for so much of our lives, try and fit in and try and feel like we belong. And um, what spaces are we trying to belong in? Uh, and how important are they? Yeah. And it also made me really think about trying to look from the outside and put yourself in someone else's shoes. All these phrases that we we hear, but what do we really do then? Um, what do things look like from a different perspective, from another point of view? And actually going right back to what you said at the beginning, just earlier, Anya, about not making assumptions um, about anyone um, when you're trying to create a space in which people can belong. And of course, education communities, they're complex spaces, aren't they? They're groups within groups. Um, and you have, you know, you have staff and you have families and, and what, are, what are we doing to create a sense of belonging for everybody? And I think how we can do that in um, settings, because, you know, I technically had a half an hour lunch break, but how much of that was actually spent with other people? So what time are we giving in educational settings to allow each other to get to know each other um, and create those spaces of community. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, so our next clip that we're going to listen to is from Gareth Price. And Gareth joined us to talk about his involvement in promoting the bring your whole self to work message in his workplace. And I think it, it sounds like that's very much part then of that kind of um, sense of community is deepened so that the impact on the team mm. of this work is is actually enormous because it creates a connectivity absolutely and actually all th three uh, three of three of my team we've all split up from our partners in the last year and oh, two years and uh, it's it it's been you know if, if that had happened in another place they would have been going through their thing I wouldn't be able to sort of say you know things to help them but equally they wouldn't have been able to help me but and it has made us incredibly closer the, the first thing that happened when lockdown finished the first time we all went to the pub and we just sat in a pub and sort of just reveled in being together again you know mm. so it was and that 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 was part of you know obviously what we do is great because we all love graphic design but it that we, we've all become so close from that point of view that we're all sort of uh you know we can just be ourselves with each other I think that's really interesting as well because you kind of think well in lots of ways we all have a different personas don't we in our lives you know oh. however genuine we try to be or whatever you know and we, we you know lots of us might have a, a work persona even if we feel we can bring our whole self to work or whatever yeah. and just the idea that you can kind of um you know, even if you're not talking about it at work, you are bringing those other parts of your life with you um, anyway, because they're, they're, they're part of who you are. And, and, and whether that's because you've, you know, you've had a, a breakup because you're, you know, you, because you're gay and you can't talk about it at work, but it is your life outside of that. You're, it's there anyway. Absolutely. You're not leaving it at home, are you, to come to work? You, you, you're, it's with you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, definitely work personas. Definitely. You know, nobody. You know, it's not just work. If you're with different groups of friends, you're a different person anyway, and that's nothing yeah. to do with. That is just the, the 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 way you slot into your little groups and stuff. And, but it is great being able to sort of like talk about anything and everything with your mates, and that's 
it, it, I, it definitely makes you closer being able to talk about everything bringing your whole self into a conversation rather than being a bit careful it's, it is it, yeah it's great it's it is strange at the beginning when i had dropped it into a conversation i don't i i believe i so i'm told i don't come across as particularly gay and uh so i've i've it, i've had a few sort of like jumps and starts or silences you know different people are sort of dealing with it in their own different ways but uh but definitely people process these things as well you know and it's, it's good and i think it's always good to have exemplars or exemplar I never think of myself as an exemplar uh, the, uh examples of people that are that aren't what you expect them to be sort of thing so funnily enough with that um end sentence there of of having people around who aren't what you expect them to be going back to assumptions i came across a quote earlier on twitter um which seemed really apt for this which is the world is changed by your example not by your opinion and um i just think that's perfect for this because you're you you know you're coming in you as yourself going in without assumptions they happen that's fine but you can always check yourself you can always catch yourself in making that assumption and question why you're doing that and having people who question who make you question your assumptions is really important because without that c- can you grow can you um oh, what i can't, I'm trying to think of how i can explain it better but it's it's meeting people who are different or a, a different to what you expect is what I'm trying to say is important for your own personal growth and making sure that you go in with an open mind will allow you to experience the whole of someone, not just the parts that they think you're going to accept. It's all of someone. And that again, built starts to build that inclusive community where people feel accepted, where they feel that, they can belong and bring their whole self to work and I think also Gareth mentioned during that podcast that that obviously what's important is that people feel that they have that space to bring their whole self to work how much of themselves they then choose or feel comfortable to bring then can be up to them but it but it's not they don't have to make that decision because of the environment in which they know they've got to enter, they can make that decision because that's what they feel comfortable about. And that's really important as well when you're thinking about your whole self in the workspace, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think um, when we were making notes and listening to these um, podcasts in preparation for this combo cast, Anya, you said something or you wrote something about um, that, that this kind of space that you can create by by this acceptance and by not making assumptions is the key to longevity of staff, which I thought was such a good point. The key to kind of keeping hold of your staff and maintaining, maintaining your staff in that space. And, and also that all of that benefits the children. Mm. I mean, we'll hear later with um, Action Jackson, who says that the children are not the reason that teachers leave. It's the adults and that is, you know, that's exactly what you've just said. And we'll, like I said, we'll hear that later when yeah. we'll reflect on that a bit later. But it is about 
creating that consistent and that consistent environment for children, mm. which stems from the adults and people feeling comfortable so that they can stay. They can stay in the school for a long time and build that community. Yeah, absolutely. As we think about being supportive and accepting of our fellow educators, that kind of leads really, really well onto thinking about the well-being of the team. And we're going to hear another clip from our chat with Alison Creel, um, where she reminds us that well-being is individual. So one size doesn't fit all. Um, And she also kind of reminds us that there are two important things for leaders to do. Um, in this clip, which is make sure your team have time for their own wellness and make sure you model being well. Um, How can school leaders put well-being at the heart of their school ethos? So right now, everybody's talking about working from home and we need to make sure that we're not living from work because I think one of the reasons why we probably feeling so down um, I, I mean, generally, as a as a, as 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 people, mm-hmm. there's a real depressed. Um, there's a real yeah. I think that, that we are depressed as a people at the moment, um, and that is because we are living from work, mm. um, and that th- that needs to be readdressed, and we need to take responsibility for that. Um, I think the main thing for schools to do is to give support to the staff so that they can take care of their own well-being. It's not a school responsibility. Well-being is not the school's responsibility, but ensuring people have got time to take care of their well-being is a a school responsibility. Um, And I also think just turn the the word around. I, I do this quite a lot, so it's not about well-being it's about being well what are you doing to be well and because if you've got staff who are well they will be able to offer so much more to the school community Um, and then if you start talking to people about what they're doing to be well then it's recognizing that we all do it in in different ways so um you know, for some people, um, it, the, we do different kinds of sports. We, you know, taking care of your, your physical fitness. Nobody questions taking care of physical fitness. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be um, as addicted to wanting to take care of our emotional fitness. Um, but then we need to recognize that in the same way that everyone does um, different types of physical activity to Um, maintain their physical fitness it's also making sure that everybody has opportunities to take care of their emotional fitness so whether that's baking or knitting or walking or um, you know everyone is different and so for schools to prescribe well-being and what it should look like means that you denouncing individuality and you're failing to recognize that it's something that we can all do really well Um, the thing that um, my staff used to have a go at me about quite regularly was the fact that I would talk about being well all of the time 
and I'd be doing all of these things to, you know, arrange for people to have time and to reduce workload and, um, and to value family time. All of those things are an important part of well-being. Um, I didn't always model it. And so I needed to learn how to start being a good role model for the whole school community. Um, well-being can easily be a middle-class privilege and I think it should be everybody's right. And so we need to make sure that we can um, make that possible. Um, I think schools need to make sure that what they're asking of their staff is realistic and is fair. We need to be really careful around judgment. Are we supporting people to do their very best or are we really wanting people to go home feeling like they're not good enough or they haven't done enough? Um, I think it's recognising that absolutely nobody goes to work each day to fail. Everybody is, you know, everybody's purposeful. Everybody's trying to do their, their damnedest to be, to be successful. So why don't you success? Why don't you support them in being successful, rather than bringing them down and uh, allowing people to go home feeling like they're failing? Um, and I also think that the one thing that we need to get over is the one thing that is is what we always know, and that is that a school is never complete. Mm -hmm. So working flat out to get there is nonsense. Yeah. And we need to accept that every school is on a journey. And we all know that if you on a long haul journey of any kind, you need to take breaks. Um, and, uh, and then you can continue with the journey. Um, but yeah, we just need to get over that. You know, we need to, you know, if we do this, we'll be complete. If we do that, we'll be complete. You'll never be complete. So stop trying to pretend you're going to be and give yourself and everybody else a break and celebrate each day and, you know, allow people to be. The thing that really struck me from this clip actually is the concept of time, the gift of time. So in that in that way that Alison's talking about well-being being individual and actually not everyone's way to well-being is going to be the same. Like Anya, your way to well-being might be to go for a run every day. I don't know if it is, is it? No, Anya's shaking her head. It's not mine either. So maybe our ways to well-being are quite similar. That may come out later on in the podcast as well, but we'll come to that later. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and then mine might be, you know, to to, I don't know, bake a big cake or something everyone has a different way to to look after themselves to to just take a bit of space for themselves and really the most valuable gift perhaps in a workplace you can be given is the time to do that rather than have things set up for you that might not be the appropriate things for you and I thought that was that really struck me listening to that podcast again mm, absolutely and I think that goes for children as well um mm. giving them time to take a moment in the school day to go for a walk with you or if you have if you can do that you know go for a walk or take a few minutes out and that again is creating that inclusive accepting community within your school or your provision um it's time for both of you for the adult and the children I think 
which we don't, like I said earlier, we don't get that much of. So making time for that to happen, because otherwise people can get quite lost, I think. Mm. Um, and that doesn't do well for anything. You're not, you know, you're not going to teach well, you're not going to educate well, mm. and children aren't going to learn well. No. Um, and that's what we're there for. That's what we educate for. So we need to make sure we have time to support that. Yeah. And the other thing that that Alison mentions is about how do we support each other to be successful? Mm. And of course, you need time to do that as well, don't you? So I'm thinking, you know, supporting each other to be successful, you know, that might be helping a, a, a colleague, it might be mentoring a, a new teacher or but the, all of those things actually take time they all come back to to time and and noticing as well we can't always you know when we're so busy day to day we can't always notice when we're maybe not okay mm. we, we might know it but we might be ignoring it or we might just not know and noticing the year colleagues and maybe stepping aside and just being like are you okay because that's that's encouraging each other to be successful as well. Because if you just watch someone or notice someone who's maybe not okay and don't say anything, then that's you know it's never gonna that's not gonna change for them. So if you can step in in a nice way, just check that they're okay and see if you can do anything to help them. And that's such a powerful connection, just that one little question, isn't it? Are you okay? How are you today? Like we started off the podcast, you know, obviously yeah. we didn't go into great depth about how we were feeling at the beginning of the podcast, but just that little connection, it, it's so simple. And even if someone doesn't unpack it massively in that moment, they will feel noticed, won't they, mm. as you say, being noticed? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our next clip is going to come from Action Jackson. Um, he is a motivational speaker and life coach and he gets us thinking about how our energy the energy that we bring to the room to the environments that we're in connects with the children that we work with we know that you kind of really um, speak up and fight about the mental health for teachers mental well-being and mental health for teachers as well um, and we just wondered if you could say a bit more about why you think that's so important why teachers um, well-being and mental health is so important. Okay, so uh, picture this. We're about to go on holiday, right? You know, going to the Bahamas and we've got our bags packed and, you know, we've, we're queuing up. We've got our ticket. We've got, you know, seat numbers. So, we, you know, we're boarding. We're trying to find the overhead space. We put our hand luggage in there. We sit down. We look at the magazine. We belt up and we hear the captain come on the air. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we're going to be flying nonstop to the Bahamas. Um, I've had no sleep for the last 14 hours. I'm stressed out. I'm frustrated. Um, I don't even, I know what I'm doing, but you know what? We'll just see how it goes. Okay. Um, do buckle up and, and uh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> what would be our immediate reaction? <laughs> <laughs> you haven't slept for 14 hours and yet we're about to fly for 14 hours. Um, <laughs> get me off. I'll rather take the bus. Now, if we would not jump on a plane with a pilot who is stressed out, frustrated, why should we then put the lives and the soul of our kids in the hand of somebody who is not there emotionally? On Twitter yesterday, I saw that uh, a quote that said, teachers don't leave education because of the kids. They leave education because of adults. 
meaning that you make situation hard for me to be myself. I can't be myself around you. So what head teachers and leaders and peers need to do is create an environment that allows me to be me, create an environment that allows me to make mistakes, create a non-judgmental environment, and the best of me will come to the surface. The problem is most people are turning up to school or turning up to meetings, whether it's online or physical, wearing a mask. They can't be themselves. They're fearful of making mistakes. So that creates this schizophrenia, really, because you're having to play two characters. Mm -hmm. And that messes with your mental health. So for me, with, with, with educators, I would say, listen, don't wait for others to take care of your mental health. It is your number one responsibility. You are no good to anyone broken. Please look after yourself. So as we mentioned earlier, there's a specific clip in that where um, Action Jackson says, teachers don't leave education because of the kids. They leave education because of the adults, meaning that you make the situation hard for me to be myself. I can't be myself around you. And he discusses how important it is to create a non-judgmental environment, um, which reflects throughout all of what we've spoken about so far, I think, uh, creating spaces for people to feel comfortable to be themselves, noticing when people aren't okay, mm. um, reflecting on how you are and the environment that you create is not non-judgmental and allows people to bring their whole selves to work. Yeah, and also there are a couple of things that really that really struck me re-listening to, to Action Jackson um, about how the energy that you you have with you, no matter how hard you try to hide it, you will take it into the spaces that you go into and children will pick up on that. And so being able to feel positive in your workspace will also be carried forward into the classroom, into the education spaces and the places you're with the children. Um, and obviously create, if you've got that positive energy, that will create a much more positive space for the children to learn in as well. And the other thing that I love what he says when he says, is it a bad day or a bad moment? Is one of the things that he says, isn't it? And it's such a mantra that I could, I, I need it written down somewhere in front of me all the time because it's so true. I, I you know, you lose perspective, don't you, so quickly. And yeah. if you get home at the end of that day and someone says, how was your day? And if only one thing went wrong, you might say, oh, it was such a bad day. But actually, if you really reflect on it, you can think, well, that one thing wasn't great. But the rest of the day and it's just reframing how you look at it. Absolutely. And I think there is a level of and you have to, you know, you have to do this very carefully that you are human. The children know you're human. Your colleagues know that you're human and you're not always going to be able to go in 100% of yourself positive every single moment of every single day. And there is a level of understanding that communicating with others, including children, builds empathy. You can say to children, do you know what? I'm having, like you said, I'm just having a bit of a tough moment. If you could just da-da-da-da, if you let that sit within you, it often explodes into something yeah. that can, you know, you might all of a sudden shout something out and all the children are like, oh, God, we've really upset them. Or you could just say initially, do you know what? I'm having a tough moment. I'm, I'm fine. And we're going to do all this learning and it's be great. 
But if you could just, you know, be a bit kind for the next few moments, that would be great. And you're building their empathy. You're building their understanding that people have tough times. That's That happens. It's okay. And you will be okay. And we support each other through those moments. And that's okay. You don't have to be positive all the time. Yeah. It's just about how you communicate that you may be having a tough moment and that's it. Yeah, and also communicating that with your colleagues so that perhaps a colleague can step in in that moment if you're feeling actually I need to take I need to take a minute for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, or communicating it at the beginning of the day with your colleagues that you know actually I'm not feeling so great today for whatever reason. Then then hopefully that support will be will be there for you, you know, and your colleague can step in or just keep an eye out be available um and I think that thing of modeling for the children how to say oh (laughs) you know so that they can so that they can see that that's okay it's okay to say oh you know what let's take a minute you know Mm. I need a breather or you need a breather as well you know maybe they need a breather really important um a big aspect of education and workspaces are the relationships, of course, that we build with children and with their families. And, of course, we spend a lot of time learning about the children, but how much do we really tell them about ourselves, which is kind of just what we've been talking about, about expressing perhaps a little bit about how we're feeling, but also what else do we tell them about ourselves that helps them to connect with us? And the last clip we're going to play for this ComboCast collection is from a podcast episode with freelance nurture consultant Sonia Maidstone-Cotton. And in this clip, Sonia introduces herself at the start of our conversation with her using her All About Me kit. She goes on to explain why it's important that we share something about ourselves with the children and families we work with. We're going to let you introduce yourself, but in, a, in a, I hope a really lovely way for this podcast today. So in your book, Supporting Young Children Through Change and Everyday Transitions, you talk about having an all about me kit um, to share with children, to tell them about yourself. Um, and I wondered if you could introduce yourself for the podcast and tell us, tell us a bit about yourself by sharing what's in your all about me kit. I will. Yeah, thank you. So... Um... This is a new All About Me pick kit because I'm going into school in September. So I've, I've, I've improved it, I think. So first of all, to say I work with children with four-year-olds who are just starting school who have social, emotional, mental health needs. So I go in and see them. So I'm Sonia. So I'll, I have a little kit of things to talk to them about who I am and what I do and what I like because we're really busy at finding out from children about themselves. And I think it's quite important they know about me. So I'm Sonia. And I really like swimming. Swimming is a really, really important part of my life. And I, children love to be able to um, relate to that. So this time, this year, I have a new swimming toy that I've made, which I'm quite pleased with her. So that's me. And I really like spending time in the garden. So when I need to feel a little bit calmer, I swim. And then I spend quite a lot of time in the garden. So I really like enjoying growing flowers so that's one of my flowers and I like watching the bees in my garden and quite often when I'm working with children we go outside and we will look for bees and we will look for flowers and sometimes we'll grow flowers and see if bees will come to them and I live with my husband called Ian 
and I have two children called Lily and Summer, but they're big girls now and they don't live in my house anymore. Um, so one of them is about to live in Edinburgh and one of them is about mm. to live in Exeter. So they're moving away, even further away from where they are. But those are my children. And I'm really a bit scared of something. And I am very, very scared of mice. Now, this is my toy mouse. And I don't mind my toy mouse. My children bought it for me. They thought it was quite funny. But I am very, very scared of mice. They make me feel really jumpy and my heart goes really fast when I see them. When I come into school and I see children, I will often bring in things that we can play with. And one of the things that we do a lot is we blow bubbles. And I do lots of sensory play. Sometimes we do other play as well. And I like to use things in my play which are things that the children like and things that I like. And one of the other things that I like is owls. And I've got a family of owls that live near my house that sometimes I see when I go for a walk early in the morning and sometimes I hear them at night. And this owl set is a, a little set where it's got different size owls inside each other. So that's something about me. Thank you, Sonia. That was lovely. And I should just say um, that Sonia, whilst she was talking about those things, she, you were actually holding them up as well so that we could see all the little things that were in your All About Me kit. And something that really struck me when I read about that in your book was we often think about those kinds of ideas, create an All About Me box or an All About Me bag or whatever, for children and for families do together. But I'm not so sure we think about it so often for the adult who's going to work with the children in that way of, of, of kind of that relationship building. Is that, is that really helpful for that kind of thing when you're doing that, when you're meeting children? It's really helpful. So the work I do now, I'm going into my seventh year of, of doing this particular work with children with social, emotional, mental health needs. But before that, I used to work for a children's charity. And I worked a lot where I was training social workers and education people as well. And sometimes I will be working with children. And I was aware that often as professionals, we go in and our job, particularly if you're a family support worker, you go in and your job is to find out as much as you can about the family and about the child. And you're asking them so many questions. And as educators, it's exactly the same. You know, I'm going in and I, I already have a lot of paperwork on those children that are seeing in September. But my job in those early days is to find out what do they like, what don't they like. And that's great, but actually, these children are going to spend a year with me. I'm going to be with them every week, visiting school. Now, it gets to the point where generally they really like seeing me because I bring in nice things. But at the start, they don't know who I am, and there's a strange other adult, and who is she? And actually, it really begins to break down things. And the reason why, so I talk about things in there that I enjoy that are important to me. So swimming is a really, really important part of my life. You know, I talk about my family, but explain that my children don't live with me. Now, that's really important for the new children I'm working with, because I know I have three children next year who don't live with their birth parents. So actually understanding that families are all very different and we don't always live together. And that's OK. But also putting in something about what I don't like, that's really or what I'm scared of. That's really key. Children love that. So you can be sure one or two children next year will really get onto that idea of a mouse, will think it's hilarious to tell me that they've, come, they've seen a mouse and that kind of thing. That's, that's great and that's fine. But it's all, and I genuinely am scared of mice. Like, you know, that I'm not making that up. I am genuinely absolutely terrified of mice. But it also talks about fears. 
in that way of it's okay and throughout the year I'm going to be doing so much work with those children about feelings and emotions but actually being able to talk about I find mice really scary and that's okay it's all right and this is what it does to me so it's that kind of gentle introduction um but it works it just really works it really breaks it down so I'm you know I have the kit is, is very similar to what I've had before. I've changed it slightly. I had a swimming doll that um, you could wind up, but limbs kept falling off it, which is why I've made a new one, because that was just annoying me. But it's, it's a really lovely way of children being able to engage. And I'll take it back, you know, as we go on, um, so they can look at it and play it again. And then they're able to tell me things that they like, who's in their family, if they want to, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So, Anya, what did you notice after Sonia had shared her All About Me kit? I mean, we definitely knew a lot more about her. Mm. And um, what you don't hear is that when Sonia was explaining her All About Me kit, she had puppets and objects that she was showing us, which she also shows the children. It just adds another sort of element to that understanding of, of who Sonia is and what she feels comfortable to bring to the space. Um, the thing that really stood out to me that was when Sonia shared a fear of hers. Yeah. Because it's saying, you know, I, I can be, I feel safe enough with you to share something vulnerable about me. And I thought that was really, really special. The other thing that she did with that is that she also then shared what happens to her when certain you know related to certain things and when she shares her fish she said I think she said that um her breath gets faster or she she described a physical thing as well that mm. happens to her as well as a feeling what I think she said I feel scared and and then this helps me feel calm so she's modeling lots of language and she's modeling what can physically happen to her again creating that safe space for the children as well as them building a connection with her because now they know some things about her she's also bottling it back the other way. Um, and Anya, we thought it would be fun to share our All About Me kits, didn't we? We haven't actually got the physical objects with us, but, um, but we, were, we did have a think about what we would have in our All About Me kits. Shall I go first? Absolutely. Okay, so in my All About Me kit, I would have, and this will come as no surprise to Anya, I would have a bar of dark chocolate because I cannot go a single day without a bit of dark chocolate. Um, another thing I would have in my in my All About Me kit is a hot water bottle because I'm often cold, but I love to be warm. I'd have a photo of my children. And actually, interestingly, like Sonia, um, two of my children don't live with me anymore. So um, obviously I miss them when they're not with me, but I also know that they're um, out there getting on with their lives and that's really exciting for them. Um, and then the other thing that I would have in my kit is a map because I really love to go for long walks, but I really, really worry about getting lost. So if I have a map with me, then I feel a little bit safer about that. And I don't have to worry quite so much because I know I can find my way home. So that's, that's very handy. It is. Exactly. <laughs> Anya, what would be in your All About Me kit? Well, as you know, mine would also be chocolate, <laughs> not necessarily dark chocolate, any form, <laughs> preferably chocolate pudding or ice cream. Mm. Um, and mine, funnily enough, would also be a hot water bottle because I think I have on, one on me almost every day, especially if I'm working from home, it is there. Okay. So, you know, 
there's another thing that we've just found out about we each didn't other. Know that. We knew about the chocolate, but we didn't know that we would both have a hot water bottle. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, I'd probably, in my all about me, Kit have my dogs because I love them probably a bit too much. <laughs> and walking them every day is a really nice time for me to just get out, um, make sure I'm exercising one, but also just to enjoy the lovely countryside that we have all around us. And probably swimming, because swimming is also one of those things where you once your head's under water, you're just not disturbed. That's it. You're done. No one can really get to you. So it's a really good way of shutting out. And, and uh, yeah, that would probably be in my all about me. That's very true. Gosh, there you go. You see, we've, we've learned some things and so have the listeners learned some things about us there. And actually, it really makes you think, doesn't it? Because, you know, you could get that ready to share with children in your setting. And actually you could also, once you've got them ready and each of you got an all about make it ready, you could share that with each other first. And that could be a really fun staff meeting. Where you, you can learn some things about each other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But just as you were saying that, I was thinking we always display the children's work mm. or they're all about means, but we never display our own. And if we, if we did that, then you know other members of staff can come around and and have a quick read and that you know in in that with that time thing someone can in their own time can come around and have a quick read of you're all about me and then if if you know they both like hot water bottles and chocolate they can come and go oh my god (laughs) I like the same thing as you and that is building those connections and uh, creating that environment where you, you you know you have a real community yeah Absolutely. And so just to bring that all together to sort of end our, our conversation and, our, and our, our listening back, really, it's all about supporting our team and our staff and ourselves so that we can support the children we work with. And we all know this, but it's also worth acknowledging that that can be really hard, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also that if we can do that, then we can be emotionally available for each other and for the the children that we're with. Really important. So, Anya, thank you. Thank you. For doing the podcast together. It's been great. Really lovely. And now we've got some things about well-being and and looking after ourselves that we, we can go and reflect on and hopefully so can everybody listening as well. Yeah, thank you.